Hello, homemakers. Welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I am a wife, a mom to four grown kids, a granny to one little boy, and I've been practicing the art of home for over 31 years now. Welcome today. If you're new, I'm so glad that you found the show. If you're a returning listener, I'm so glad to have you back. Thank you for tuning in, all of you. I pray that this uh, episode today will be an encouragement to you and will give you some inspiration and some practical ideas that you can apply right now in your own practice of the art of home. Well, hopefully you can tell that my voice is in much better shape than it was last week. (laughs) I have recovered from the crud. Praise Jesus. I'm feeling much, much better this week. So uh, I was able to do what I had intended to do last week over the weekend, and that is put up the main Christmas tree. So yes, I am one of those people who starts early, but I will tell you that I do not bring out any Christmassy things besides the tree and the lights until after Thanksgiving. Uh, I give Thanksgiving its proper place. All the decor, seasonal decor in my home is still fall and it will remain fall until right after Thanksgiving. I put the tree up with its lights only because I am not a fan of pre-lit Christmas trees. I've just never, they just don't work for me. I've never been able to get on board with that concept because Invariably, lights will go out and then you have to figure out which lights are out and then you have to replace them. And then, I mean, I guess I'm sure they've improved in the last several years uh, from when they first came out. But call me old fashioned. I am a put the lights on the tree kind of girl. So also that allows me to put as many lights as I want on the tree. And I put a lot of lights. So that is why I like to get a head start because it does take me a couple of days usually to put all the lights on the tree. If you would like to see my process, um, I recorded a good bit of my decorating process last year, and I put that in a story highlight on Instagram. So if you're not following The Art of Home on Instagram, why not? You need to go over there and do that right now. We are at The Art of Home Podcast. I post there um, at least three posts per episode. I will give you an an announcement when a new episode comes out. I will do a post about the favorite quotes, and then I'll do a post about the Titus 2 advice that each one gives. And then I do other stuff. But oftentimes in stories, I will just pop on and show you what I'm cooking for dinner or how I'm decorating the table or any number of things that I'm doing in my homemaking. So if you want to get a peek Uh, into my own homemaking practice, make sure that you're following over on Instagram. But anyway, back to the tree. So the tree is up. I'm so happy. Uh, All the lights are on and it's bare. Other than the lights, there are no decorations on it right now. And we do have quite a while until Thanksgiving. So I thought I'd try something a little different this year. I've never done, I know some people do like a whole full on Thanksgiving tree. They decorate the whole tree completely with. fall themed things, Thanksgiving themed things. 
And in the past, uh, we have done a thankful tree, which is just basically a bare tree branch. And we did cut out leaves from construction paper um, and had a little Sharpie marker and we put it on a table in the foyer. And anytime you walk by during the month of November and you wanted to write something down that you were thankful for, you could put it on a leaf and then hang it on the little tree. So I have done that a couple of times in the past when my kids were younger and still at home. So I wanted to sort of do something similar on the main tree. Um, I have some gorgeous, uh, I would say it's like a coppery colored velvet ribbon. It's really wide. It's about, I think, two and a half inches wide that I got off of Amazon. And I'm making bows with that to put on the tree. I have some, um, I, I think they're plastic pumpkins, but they look really realistic that I had gotten last year and used them on my porch decorations, which I did not do this year. So I am repurposing those and I'm just sticking them inside different parts of the tree. And then I ordered some plain craft paper um, tags from Amazon. They're just very simple little tags. They're about three inches long by maybe two inches wide. They came with little strings to hang them with. And I'm going to do like like I did back in the day. I'm going to take all those little tags, put them in a basket with um, a Sharpie marker or two and set that near the tree so that mainly this will be a practice that I will be doing and my husband might participate. I don't know. And then my kids when they come by, but it's a it's going to be mostly a practice for myself to every every day, at least once a day, I'm going to write something that I am thankful for on one of those tags and I'm going to hang it on the tree. So I will report back and let you know how that goes and let you know Uh, If it was valuable for me, I'm sure it will be. And if anybody else decided to participate, it'll just give us something to look at on the tree for this entire month uh, without it just being bare. Although it is beautiful all by itself with the lights. Okay, so um, since we're talking about Christmas, I did want to remind you that we have upcoming in, let's see, what day is that coming out? That is coming out November 29th. November 29th will be our very first episode of this year's Holiday Homemaking Series. If you're new to the podcast, every Christmas um, Christmas season, I do a holiday homemaking series, four episodes that are all holiday, all the time, all things Christmas. And what I've done is throughout the year, as I interview all the women that you've heard from, I do a little segment with them at the end of their main interview. and We talk about Christmas for about 10, 15 minutes. And then I tuck that part of the episode or interview away. And then um, at the end of the year, I compile each of those little segments into four different episodes. And that is uh, what makes up our holiday homemaking episodes. So it's going to be familiar voices, ladies that you've heard from this year, wonderful tips and ideas and recipes and great um, holiday memories that they share. I just love, this is one of my favorite things that I get to do for this podcast. I love putting these episodes together for you. Uh, If you want to get a sneak peek of what they will sound like, you can go back and listen to Holiday Homemaking 2021 and 2022. Just scroll down through uh, your podcast player app back to those um, those dates and you should be able to find those pretty easily. Or you can go over to our website, theartofhomepodcast.com and you can go onto the podcast page and just search there in the search bar, Holiday Homemaking, and all eight of those episodes should come right up. We also do a special special editions of our newsletter, Homemaker Happy Mail, during the holiday homemaking season. You will be getting all the recipes that you hear on those holiday episodes that will come up, um, that will come to you in the newsletter and uh, some writing from some of our 
guest, actually. I have reached out to some of the ladies who have been on the show in the past, some from this year, some from years before, and asked them to share some writings with us um, on the themes of Advent. So that's the other resource that I have available for you. Besides our holiday homemaking episodes, we have an Advent devotional guide that I put out last year. It is a very simple daily guide through the four weeks of Advent. In each week, we focus on a different theme, a different theme of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. And for every day, there is a um, scripture, a, that is, uh, there's a truth that is stated about that particular thing, whether it's hope, and then there is a scripture to back up that truth. So I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. These are all based on scripture. There's usually two or three scriptures there to support that daily truth about hope or peace or joy or love. And then there is a suggested song that you can listen to. And I have companion playlists on Spotify that have all of the songs for each of the weeks. And the idea is that you listen to the song um, all week long when we're when we're reflecting on hope, the week of, of Advent where we talk about hope, which is the first week. You can pull up that Spotify playlist that has all kinds of songs, some Christmas, some regular worship songs um, around the theme of hope to kind of help you fix your mind on that throughout that whole week. And um, it's all linked together. It's very easy to follow. And it's meant to be a super quick little devotional guide that you can just spend five or 10 minutes on. There's um, blank pages for you to write out your reflections and um, I will go through this a little bit more in detail as far as how to use this guide. I might do a story uh, maybe on Instagram, or I might talk about it on the first holiday homemaking episode. But anyway, um, I will be putting out a new version of last year's, but it will be basically the same. All I'm going to be doing is um, adding, I've, I noticed some edits as I was working through the guide myself last year. So I will be editing a few things and then I will be putting up the new one. But if you want to go ahead and get um, your hands on a copy of it right now, you can do that. It's on the website. Just go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash Christmas and it will pull up the little form. All you have to do is enter your email and then it should pop right up on the screen for you to download it. And then you can print it off and print as many copies as you would like. It's just a little gift uh, from me to you to help you keep your mind focused on the main thing in this crazy season that's coming that is, well, almost already upon us. <laughs> All right. So that's enough housekeeping. I'm going to get on to today's episode. I have another listener homemaker portrait for you. It is an in the trenches homemaker portrait of Brianna Wakefield. Brianna uh, talks to me about the strong influence of her mom and her grandmothers on her homemaking. She's a full-time homemaker. Let me just say that. She's a mom of two and a full-time homemaker. She did work outside the home for a while as a um, high school Spanish teacher until uh, she had her first child. And so she does do this as a full-time occupation, and she draws a lot on the influence and the the teaching that she received from her mom and her grandmothers, and we talk about that. Um, we talk about the importance of focusing on the why and how that can help us manage our expectations and help us to slow down and really soak in the joy of homemaking instead of getting so wrapped up in coming up with the perfect systems and getting the tasks done in a perfect way. Uh, it also frees us up to be more open with our hospitality. So we talk about that quite a bit. She shares really candidly with us um, her journey through two, both of her pregnancies. She had some pretty severe complications related to uh, her endometriosis diagnosis. 
And then um, with both pregnancies, she ended up with postpartum depression. And we spend some time talking about that because if you've heard any of my story, you know that that's something that I um, struggled with. I dealt with postpartum depression uh, with my third and fourth child. So we get into that a good bit and it's a great conversation and super encouraging. So I'm, I just encourage you to listen, whether that's something you've had to deal with or not, uh, you probably know someone who has. So this may be a good way for you to just enter into that experience a little bit so that you can sympathize and, and um, encourage those people in your life. Besides all of that, Brianna has excellent tips and tricks and lots of ideas. And um, I know that you're going to learn a lot from her and be encouraged by this story. I so enjoyed my conversation with Brianna. We talked about lots of things even before we started the official interview. And uh, there was some great content in there and I didn't want to just erase it. So I tacked it on at the end of this episode as a little bit of bonus content. So make sure that you listen all the way till the end because we've got that, that bonus content at the end for your listening enjoyment. So thank you for joining us today and trusting me with some of your time. I know it's valuable and I know you have a lot going on in your homemaking life. So uh, it's an honor that you would choose to spend some of it with me today and Brianna. Whatever you are applying your hands to as you listen to this, I know you will enjoy Brianna's story of home. Welcome to The Art of Home. I'm here with my new friend, Brianna. No, I'm here with my new friend, Brianna (laughs) Wakefield. I'll get it right. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I even wrote it down. I okay, know. Anyway. It's hard. It's I know. Hard. Okay. So, <laughs> so Brianna is a um, in the trenches homemaker. We're going to hear all about that. But before we go back to the beginning and hear your story, why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are today. Well, I am a wife um, to my husband of seven years. We just started year eight. Congratulations. Um, thank you. It was a big one when you passed that year seven. It's exciting. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a mom. I have a three-year-old little boy and a one-year-old little girl. And um, I stay home with them. So I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom and homemaker. Um, but prior to having my children, I taught high school Spanish full-time for six years. Um, so then I stayed at home with them when I had my son. Um, I've spent most of my life in a Midwestern state. I've been in multiple of them, um, currently in Ohio. I love the Midwest. Um, and in my limited free time, <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy reading. I enjoy um, gardening. I love to cook and bake. And I am very passionate about hosting people in our home. That's something I do frequently and often. Mm. Oh, great. I can't wait to get to the hospitality section. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, good. So, okay, let's go back to the beginning. And why don't you tell us when did you first become a homemaker? And when you did, did you have any skills? Yes. So I would say I officially became a homemaker when I got married. We got Mm -hmm. married when we were 23. Um, Prior to that, I had lived with college roommates. Um, Mm. and then I moved in with my parents the year before we got married because I had some siblings who were a lot younger than me and I just wanted some time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely had skills. My mom was great at teaching us how to take care of all the different elements in the home. So we had weekly chore rotations where we would draw one hard chore and two easy out of a jar. And then we would 
do those for the week and then we would switch the next week. So I knew how to do the basics of laundry or dusting or cleaning. Um, I think cooking was something that I had always watched. I, Mm. I knew kind of how to do it, but I hadn't ever assumed the full meal planning prepping (laughs) (laughs) cooking our first week of marriage I wasn't going to say this but it's kind of funny our first week of marriage I was so excited to have the grocery budget and I spent almost all of it on cheese and my (laughs) husband came home and he said oh he was so sweet you know oh wow that's a lot of cheese. And I'm like, isn't it great? We can have cheese and crackers. <laughs> so I got a lot better at that. I learned I learned that very quickly. <laughs> but yes, that was probably the, the task I needed the most practice in. That's so mm-hmm. funny. Cheese. I know. Cheese. Oh my gosh. Okay, I, have a, I have a couple of questions. Okay. All right. I want to I want to talk more about the cheese, but let's back up. <laughs> and um, I love your mom's system of yeah. rotating with what you, because so every week you, she had a list of chores, hard chores, easy chores. And then you would, each of you would yes. pick one hard and two easy. And those were your chores for the week. Yes. Yeah, so they were color coded. So there was a, it was like a glass jar and mm-hmm. the hard chores were written on the back of a red envelope and the easy ones were on a yellow envelope. So a hard chore might be clean the entire bathroom. Like you need to, and she would, she would teach you how to do it the first time. Right. And then she'd come in at the end and kind of Mm -hmm. show you like, oh yeah, you did a really great job on the counter, but like, make sure you go all the way to the corner with the rag or yeah, yes, you Windex the mirror, but here's how you really get the spots off. And then an easy chore might be like dust the, we all wanted dusting because it was like there wasn't a lot to dust yeah so that was like if you got dusting for the week that was the that best was great mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. cool okay yes I was wondering what were some examples so that's really good yes. are you gonna imp- are you implementing uh thinking about implementing that in your I household? think it was really helpful yeah. I think because you know it didn't make any of us feel like one of the four of us had to carry all of the weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably my brother who's closer in age to me, we maybe did more of the cleaning of the bathrooms initially, but once the younger ones were older, we were able to all share that. So I think it's a good system. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's a really good system. And then we would get paid half our age for our chores. So we didn't have allowance, but you would get, half of your age. So that was kind of, yeah, it was, so it was easy and probably vacuuming looked better from a 12 year old than an eight year old. So we made a little (laughs) bit more money (laughs) for our vacuuming that week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good system. I like that a lot. Okay. And so I'm assuming cooking um, Mm -hmm. is the thing you had the steepest learning curve for or... I don't I don't think it was the steepest learning curve because okay. I enjoyed it. I think okay. this I think it became my hobby. That mm. that coincided with my first year of full-time teaching. Mm-hmm. I had taught part-time the year before. So I would get home 2 hours before my husband and I would just open up, you know, a, a cookbook that we got mm-hmm. for our wedding and I would just try something probably way too complicated, but I (laughs) loved it. And it would just transition my mind from 
everything that had gone on at work that day to my husband's going to be home. We're going to have this evening together. We're going to share this meal. I think the steepest learning curve was putting all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. I think the time management is what I've heard a lot of people label that as. But I think even more than that, finding systems that work when life changes, um, because that happens a lot. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, at least for me, we've been married for seven years, but we have had five different homes during that time. So I have had to change my systems quite frequently and relearn that in a new space or with a new child or in a new state. Um, So I think that's always been the hardest learning curve. And Mm -hmm. I've had to learn it a lot. Often. <laughs> yes. So every time I think it's hard, but yeah, I mean, I think um you're going to well, no, I don't think I know you will have to continue to do yes. that. Um <laughs> but I think your adaptability I- improves. Mm-hmm. You you know, the way that you're able to it's not quite so painful. Yes. Every time there's a there's a change and then you have to adapt your systems or or start over and create new mm-hmm. systems. Um that just that muscle, the more you use it, it just it becomes stronger. And I think it's a little less painful to do the the shifting and changing. Yes. I I hope I think that is true, but I, I'm hoping it does continue to get easier. Because <laughs> yes. it is cyclical. I do think it's gonna come back. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, so who or what has had the most influence on your homemaking, would you say? I think my mom probably just had the greatest years of impact. She was passionate about keeping her home. She was Mm -hmm. proud of her home. Mm -hmm. My mom taught us all those skills, which we've talked about, but I think beyond that, she was very resourceful. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a pastor's family. I'm a pastor's kid. And so there were often seasons where we didn't have a lot of resources. Um, And my mom could make the smallest thing fun. She could just, she just was so good at using free things in her community or making things stretch. And she was very passionate about teaching us that. I remember her giving me all her coupons in an envelope, her grocery list and saying, this is what the total should be you try. See if you can match it all up. See if you can find the items. It's okay if it doesn't work. It might be over. It might be under, but try that. And Mm -hmm. those were so valuable. That was so valuable for me when we first got married. Um, And also we're living on a very limited budget. Um, But my grandmothers were also super influential. I think a lot in my hospitality now, Um, Mm -hmm. we didn't live by them. So we were some of the only grandchildren that got to stay in their home. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. um, we would stay for a long time. And one of my grandmas was just the most amazing cook baker. Like she could make, I remember at Christmas, she would make a real gingerbread house with mm-hmm. stained glass lifesaver oh. windows. Like oh, that's the, so Like cool. what you would see in a bakery. And that would be waiting on the buffet and she had super special china teacups and we would have special spoons that we used and candlelight teas. And, and then my other grandma 
just had this passion for having people in her home. And it Mm -hmm. brought her so much joy to have the whole family over. And because I was always there before the holiday would start, I would get to see her make those preparations to have everyone in. And she would invite me into that. So she'd Mm. be like, Brianna, let's go down to the she lived in the woods. Let's go down to the meadow and we're going to pick a bunch of wildflowers and we're going to make a bouquet for every single one of your aunts. Do you want to help me? Or let's, you know, go water the flowers. They're beautiful. Or let's arrange the fruit in a star for the 4th of July. And I think they had a lot of special little touches that they would put in their home. And I think I'm very similar to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm in my own home when people stay or visit. Mm. That's so, that's so cool. I mean, you remember a lot of that. It was very impactful. You're very observant. Yeah. You were an ob- <laughs> observant kid. I was, I think, um, I think I'm very, I don't know if you've taken the strength finders test, but um, one of my top strengths is ideation. And so I love gathering ideas. And I think as a kid, I was that way too. Just, enjoyed um enjoyed seeing how people did things and yeah. thinking about what that might look like um in my own in my own home. I don't know that I realized I was doing that till I right. had my own home. Right. But that was so consistent in their practice that mm-hmm. it it was always how it was to visit them. So it left a deep impression. Oh, that's such a great testimony, not only to your grandmothers, but just to the power of homemaking to yes. make an impression and impact somebody's life for the rest yes. of their life. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. That's great. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about expectations. Okay. What are some things that surprised you about homemaking, things good or bad? Just what, what did you not expect? I think something I didn't expect is that the why of what you're doing is almost more important than the how. So mm-hmm. I think that I, I think I knew how to do a lot of things. I think when all of a sudden all those things become your responsibility, <laughs> I definitely felt that word drudgery that you use a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think where it changes to a feeling of dignity is when you step back and go, why, why am I doing this? You know, why, Mm -hmm. why there are always dishes to wash. There's always laundry to do. There's always a mess, especially with two toddlers. I mean, it is, it is constant. (laughs) Sometimes you go, why, what is the point of Mm -hmm. picking this up? It's going to come right off the shelf. But I think for me, um, the thing I didn't expect is that when that drudgery really rubbed up against my personality and I started to hate it, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I have to do the dishes again tomorrow. Oh, the way that I think the Lord changed my heart was helping me with some of those why questions, you know, and I don't love doing the dishes. Anyone who knows me well knows that about (laughs) me, but I do them. Because it feels nice to have a clean home at the end of the day. And it's Mm -hmm. special to eat on nice plates. And when someone comes into the home randomly, unexpectedly during the day, I want to be ready for them. So I Mm -hmm. think I didn't expect that um, it wasn't going to 
just be, oh, I get married and I have a home and I just magically love doing everything. <laughs> I, think, I think it was a hard reality check um, yeah. that maybe my heart and my own selfishness needed to be really addressed um, through the monotony of some of those tasks, mm-hmm. um, making maybe love more of an action than a feeling, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's a, yes, that's a good way to put it. Because we're <laughs> that's doing, not original. That, no, I read that somewhere. <laughs> I know, but it's it's good to think of that in the context mm-hmm. of what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, love being an action, and that means um, washing the dishes for the fifth yes. time today. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. That's a good perspective. Well, how mm-hmm. about an expectation that you had to release something that whether it might have been a good expectation, but you've just had to put it in the ground and bury it? <laughs> I think that it's not always going to be what you want it to be right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I do have very strong memories of visiting family or growing up or even visiting friends' houses. And in my mind, it's like, oh, it was always clean and it was always beautiful and the food was always hot and ready. And in this season, I've had to really go, was it always that way or was I just nine? And I didn't see the time that they had to work through that. And I've actually gone back to some of those women and said, like, was your house always clean? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. You should have seen when we had little ones. Um, but I think I am the type of person who likes to quickly finish something. Uh-huh. And it is hard when you can spend all day trying to accomplish a task like folding laundry. And at the end of the day, it's like, there really were 10 valid reasons that this did not get done <laughs> and it's still here and uh, and it will get done and being okay with that. So I think mm-hmm. I've had to let go of interruptions um, and things taking longer mm-hmm. being okay for the well-being of my family so that I'm not frustrated at them when they have legitimate needs that are more important than maybe the task list that I had set out for the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that goes back to what you said and uh, answering the first question that the why yes. is more important than the how. Mm-hmm. And yes. to me, the how quickly it gets done falls under the category of how. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, and there are ways to make that faster. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to always know, is this just, I need to reorganize mm-hmm how I'm approaching this or where I'm putting it in the day, or is this a season where there just are a lot of interruptions and it's Mm -hmm. not always going to be that way. (laughs) Right. Right. That's a good, that's a good exercise to ask Mm -hmm. those questions and decide, is there anything I can do about this or is this more of a matter of acceptance? That's really good. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on and talk about those lovely children. Um, that are not interruptions. They those no. are opportunities. That's how yes. I like to think about it. So we'll talk <laughs> about great. how parenting has affected your your homemaking. How how would you say that bringing your children into the home has challenged, uh, which we've already touched on a bit, but challenged mm-hmm. and enriched your homemaking? I think I want to start with enriched. Okay. Um, I think that they are just 
almost like these little, just, I, when I think about them, I think of the word just wonder, you know, they're Mm -hmm. these little wonders, like they getting to see them experience everything for the first time. My daughter, the other day, we were out on our front porch and she had never seen a gigantic grasshopper. And it just happened to be right there on Uh the, on the trim piece. And she watched that, watched (laughs) it hop and fly and tried to catch it for five minutes. And I thought, I don't know the last time I spent five minutes, just, just watching it, watching Mm -hmm. a grasshopper. And I think just slowing down and getting to see the world through their eyes and also just the ways that they, they humble you. My son is, I think kind of abnormally communicative for his age. He's Mm -hmm. very verbal and he can express a lot of deep thoughts for a (laughs) three-year-old. And um, the other day I had gotten frustrated with him. And I said, you know, buddy, I'm sorry. Mommy was frustrated with you. I should, I shouldn't have talked to you that way. Will you forgive me? And he was like, Oh, it's okay, mommy. You just turned like your, your, uh, frustration into meanness. Cause we talk about that a lot with him. Like you're frustrated, but you're being mean or you're sad, uh-huh. but you're being mean. And he, he turned it around and used that language on me. And it was so convicting in my mm-hmm. own heart of, Oh, Lord, like you are working and you are teaching him, but yeah, I needed that reminder too. <laughs> I don't have this all figured out. So they they're a joy. They're a lot of of energy and time, but they are very precious. Um and I think in in terms of the challenges, do you want me to go into that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My expectation I think when we had kids was like okay we're ready to have kids we will get pregnant and we will you know have this baby and I'm gonna just hold them right away and I've spent so much time with kids I I was a teacher I was certified k-12 I was a nanny before I was a teacher like I I am ready for this I have got this mm-hmm. and I think that our whole journey with our our children actually coming into the world just really was a lesson in how little they are ours and how much they belong to the Lord. Mm. Um, I had always struggled physically um, and wondered if I had endometriosis. And prior to my son being born, I actually had surgery to find out if I did. And I I was confirmed with that diagnosis, which can impact your fertility in a lot of ways. And so after they do some of the different procedures to remove it, they kind of tell you, okay, you have six months to get pregnant and then Mm -hmm. it might regrow Mm -hmm. and it could be in a different place where you could lose an ovary or you could have just some challenges to your fertility. And Fortunately, where mine was did not cause complications with my fertility. We were able to get pregnant with my son. Um, but very quickly um, in the start of the second trimester, I started to have some bleeding with mm. him. Um, and it was a result of something that can be can end a pregnancy or mm-hmm. it can exist like your whole pregnancy and nothing will happen to the baby. And it's just a wait and see. Mm. Um in the case of my son, it I stopped bleeding, but I had regular ultrasounds where I had to see that that thing was still there mm-hmm. until he was born. So it was 
this challenge of wanting to feel joyful, but also feeling very afraid of, is this life going to make it? It was also 2020 and the very beginning of the pandemic. And so I think that that fear of something happening to my pregnancy caused me to be very isolated from my community. Um, And when he was born, my one goal had been, okay, I'm going to isolate so that when he is born, I will hold him. And when I held him, he was immediately rushed to the NICU within five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know for about 40 minutes if he was okay, if he was alive, what was wrong. Um, I was just kind of left there in the delivery room. Um, kind of stitched up and and uh I my husband was gone with him and I didn't know if my baby was okay or where my baby was. And he had some normal breathing complications that resolved after about 13 days, but it was a terrifying introduction to mm-hmm. see your child for the first time on feeding tubes and breathing tubes and all kinds of IVs and not be able to hold them and um it really stoked maybe some of that fear I already was having. Um, And so that, that was a process for me of really realizing that I, that I wasn't in control. Um, And soon after that, I, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety and went through a long Um, almost year of counseling and medication to just work through some of what had happened. A lot Mm -hmm. of it was working through how my expectations had maybe hurt some of that Mm -hmm. reality. Um, So when I got pregnant with my daughter, I thought, oh, okay, new pregnancy. We're through some of the more intense COVID years. Um, we were living in a different state at the time. I had a different doctor. So we had moved far from family, um, but I was feeling really good. And nine weeks into my pregnancy, I started bleeding. And oh. it was so much that when I described to the doctor, they said, I really think you're having a miscarriage. The mm-hmm. hospitals are so overrun right now. Why don't you stay home? And we'll see on Monday if there's anything we need to do. And that Monday... We went in fully expecting after four days of intense bleeding to not see anything. And Mm -hmm. her heart was beating. And Mm. um, we had just had an ultrasound the week before. So there was only ever one baby. Um, Mm -hmm. And she made it. And she had the same thing that my son did um, in the pregnancy. We had the same complication that caused the bleeding. But hers resolved during the pregnancy, and I was able to have a much more peaceful second half. But then the same thing, 12 hours after she was born, had very serious breathing complications that sent her to the NICU. Um, And so that was hard. It was totally unexpected. They were both full-term pregnancies. There were no indications of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that maybe were just some special health challenges I had to deal deal with with both of them of just seeing how fragile life was yeah um so well you're also just trying to be a new brand new mom yeah 
<laughs> so, that's hard. That's hard enough. And then yeah. layer, layer all of this other stuff on top of it. Mm-hmm. Did you have um, postpartum depression with your daughter as well or I just did, with your son? Okay. But it didn't appear as early with my mm-hmm. son. Something that I didn't know is that you can have that while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. even though they were filling out the questionnaires, I think that I I thought what I was feeling was just normal consequences of being pregnant in a pandemic where mm-hmm. yeah. really having experienced it twice now, I can go back with my son's pregnancy and say, no, that probably started around month six. Mm-hmm. Um, with my daughter, I didn't at first um, have any symptoms of postpartum depression, but nursing wasn't going well. And mm-hmm. I... I had to make a decision about six weeks after she was born to switch to bottle feeding her. She had a milk allergy mm-hmm. um, and there were some other problems with her latching. And so I um, weaned her way too quickly, just mm. like in a week, tried to cut my supply. And yeah. that caused a huge hormonal imbalance yeah. mm-hmm. that definitely brought that postpartum depression forward very Mm -hmm. quickly. And I knew what it was. So I gave it about two weeks and was like, no, this, this is, this is different than Mm -hmm. being sad or being stressed. (laughs) It it get for me, I felt very hopeless in a season where my normal would have been very joyful. Yeah. And so I went, to my OB right away and did get on medication quickly. And that was very helpful for Mm -hmm. me. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people can feel afraid of that because it's vulnerable. It's hard to go in in a season when you do not want that to happen to you. And you are very happy to have this new child. But sometimes, at least in my case, I needed a little extra help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Mm -hmm. I, I can relate. I did as well. Yes. Yes. A lot of times what I tell people is, um, the medication, at least this is, was my experience with mm-hmm. postpartum depression and anxiety, which they're like cousins or yeah. like stepbrothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like they go, go hand in hand, often go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and so it was so bad that mm-hmm. the coping mechanisms that I would learn with a counselor and, yes. you know, a Christian counselor who was going to use scripture to help me, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. I I had to get to a baseline level where I could even use those tools effectively. Right. And yes. that was where medication brought me up. Like say if I was way down here, real low, the yep. medic where those I just I needed the medication just to stabilize me. I guess maybe that's the best word. Because yes. I was so unstable. Yeah. And then from that point of being stabilized, then I was able to do the hard work with my counselor to use scripture to transform my mind and, you know, help mm-hmm. me figure out what lies I was believing and all of that kind of stuff. And eventually I was able to get off of the medication because I had the coping skills that I needed to be able to not just function, but to thrive. So that's, that's my experience. I would a hundred percent agree with that. I think just getting an ability to be able to breathe again Mm -hmm. and, and slow your thoughts down Mm -hmm. and be able to discern, this is something I'm actually thinking, and this is just something very out of left field yes is from that depression or that anxiety um and yes medication was very helpful for Mm -hmm. me with that that process Mm -hmm. too and then combining it with counseling i think the second time 
I had so many of those tools from my son that once the medication started working with my daughter, it was like, okay, now I have the tools and now I can start building on them and getting back to a place of health. Yes. And it's, that's so helpful because when you're in it, you feel like I would describe it. You feel like you're in a tunnel and Mm -hmm. you can't see any way out. Like you can't see a light, you cannot see it. But when you've been there before, Mm -hmm. um, you can start to recognize when you can see little bits of light ahead. And that, that is so helpful. And then it's also helpful to, um, ask your husband. So like my husband, Mm -hmm. he also had some issues, you know, he struggled Mm -hmm. with some depression, anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we were speaking the same language. Yeah. Thankfully, praise the Lord, not ever at the same time. Um, but to have him tell me, tell, tell me truth and tell me that I will eventually come out of this tunnel because that's, what's really hard is when you're in that place, you think I am never going to get out of this. Right. I'm never going to see the other side of this. Right. And to have someone who you trust, you know, tell you, yes, you will. I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but you will come out the other side. And my husband was a huge catalyst for me as well. I think just recognizing, I almost needed someone to tell me, this is not you. Because I Mm -hmm. felt so guilty. Yes. Here I am with this beautiful child who made it through this terrible, scary pregnancy and the NICU. And they are just looking at me and smiling and I am their whole world and, and I'm feeling just totally not what I expected to feel in this season. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. having that person who knows you the best and, and so intimately when he would just say to me, honey, this is not, this is not you. And in, in a lot of ways that helped me get help the first time, you know, Mm -hmm. to realize, oh, he's right. Like this, this is not, this is not me. And it helped me have grace with myself Mm -hmm. to say, I still do have joy in this season and I still do love this new baby and I mm-hmm. just need help getting to to a baseline again. Um, my counselor had me with my son write out at the end of our whole months of sessions together, write out just my birth story with him. But she was like, but the lens I want you to look at it through is like, how was God merciful to you? Mm-hmm. And that was really a hard and good question, but Mm -hmm. it took, it took a lot of, I couldn't even have answered that without going on medication or without the months of work that had happened Mm -hmm. um, before that. And now I look back and I go, I felt alone or I felt scared or I felt hopeless, but you, you were there Mm -hmm. Lord. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that my kids, when they're older, if my son's wife or if my daughter ever goes through that same experience, that that can be something that hopefully they can know, like that their mom did go through that, but that God was was merciful to me in delivering me out of it now. Yes. Yeah. That is a great question to ask. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Well, thank you for sharing so much about that. I think it's something that we we just we need to talk more about it. Um, yeah, because it's so scary when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, is. It's it's very scary, and I I hope that people whoever's listening, um, if you're struggling with this, d- please know like 
like you just said, it's not you and you need to, to seek some help and um, yeah. there you will come out the other side with the right help. So, and a- asking for help isn't a bad thing. No, we all, we all need help. And yeah. maybe that feels like the help you never wanted to need, mm-hmm. but it's okay to need it to get back to who you want to be. Right. Right. So how do you um, encourage your kids now that you've come out of all of that? Yes. And <laughs> they're older you, now. And they're, you've got this very active three-year-old boy, yes. I'm sure. And you've got a little toddling one-year-old girl. So yes. how in, in their little ways do you allow them to contribute to the homemaking? Well, I think that it's really important when I ask myself those whys of my own home. You know, why am I doing this? But also... I think sometimes I've asked myself the question of like, what do I want my children to remember? What do I want them to feel Mm -hmm. around these tasks? You know, are they things that mom is doing from a joyful heart or from a a frustrated heart? And so I try to explain to them the purpose of what we're doing in very simple ways. So if they're Mm -hmm. playing upstairs and I'm folding laundry on the couch, it might be, oh, yep, mommy's doing laundry and I'm just going to fold this pile really quick because isn't it so nice that we have clean clothes to wear? Like what a blessing that Mm -hmm. we have clean clothes and we can do laundry. And my son thinks it's so fun to put the hangers in the shirt. So Mm. it takes triple the time, but I will hold (laughs) open the, the shirt collars for him. And he is just so proud that he can get the hanger in the collar. And sometimes it doesn't go the right way. And that's okay. Like it's going to get in a closet. We're going to wear it again. Um, But I try to invite them. My daughter's a little, little still, but my son, if he shows interest in something, I Mm -hmm. really celebrate that. So he loves to cook. And Mm -hmm. he, I literally, if I get open a drawer in the kitchen, he hears it from wherever mm-hmm. he is in the house and he will come <laughs> and running. He comes running. <laughs> he comes running and he pushes his little chair up and it's, can I help mom? And I, so I try to pick recipes during the week when mm-hmm. my husband is working that I actually can let him help with that aren't going to be frustrating to yes. me to yes. like, they're not complicated. So during the week, it's things he can help with on the weekend. Right. It's more complicated. I can yeah. do it by myself. Um, he also thinks that the the spin mop is the coolest thing. He loves pushing the pedal. And we got him the little Melissa and Doug, like, wooden cleaning tools that are all kids' size. Uh-huh. So he yes. dips his little mop in there. Oh, and he spins so it and he mops the floor. So <laughs> I try, I you know, I'm like, you know what? I can always get the spot later. But yeah. if he's excited about it, I'm yeah. going to encourage that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so great. Okay. We're going to jump ahead and talk about a little bit about priorities. Uh Um, I would love to know one or two practical steps that you take to help you set and keep your priorities in the right order. Mm -hmm. So I think with my faith, um, I had to find kind of the right time of the day. (laughs) I think I thought, oh, you have to get up in the morning and do a quiet Mm -hmm. time. But for me, it's really the evening. Um, after the house is calmed, after everyone is in bed, and I have an unlimited time to read something. Um, So during the day, I would say begin most mornings, a lot of mornings, I'll say to my husband, could you get up and and get, you know, whichever child woke up first, and I will 
can I just have five minutes? And I'll take mm-hmm. that, that five minutes to just lay in my bed and think about the day and I'll pray and mm-hmm. I'll just invite the Lord into the things that I'm worried about, the things I feel overwhelmed by. Um, I try to take time in the morning to think about my responses to my kids, maybe what didn't go as well the day before, how I want to be better at discipling them today and inviting the Lord into that. And it's just a constant conversation. I think prayer doesn't have to be a formal time. It it can be something that's going on throughout the day. Um, And I really enjoy, there's these um, songs that are, are made around the catechism, like just the basic tenets of the faith that were written for children. And so Mm -hmm. we play those during the day. And I just find that God can minister to a mom's heart in the simple Bible stories in the children's Mm -hmm. Bible that you're reading or explaining gospel Mm -hmm. truths for the first time in a very simple way. That's actually a hard theological exercise. It is very hard. It is very hard. And it is stretching. So that's how I prioritize my faith. Um, Mm -hmm. I think probably of the other priorities that were listed, I think my marriage um, is something that I feel like is really a huge priority for my husband and I. We live far from all our family. So we spent five years living near my parents and then um, moved out to Ohio um, Mm -hmm. for a new position for my husband and his job. So we're four hours from his parents and 12 hours from mine. We have no siblings that live in the area. And I think it's our teamwork is probably one of the things that's the most important Mm -hmm. to our whole household thriving. And when we make time for our marriage, everyone in the house does better. So yeah. Some of the ways we do that is we try to have a real conversation once a day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where we are looking at each other, where there are no distractions. Sometimes it's 10 minutes and sometimes it ends up being two hours, but we try to just talk to each other. Uh-huh. We also frequently send each other podcasts or books or articles that we can mm-hmm. discuss later. Um, yeah. And that just enriches our conversation. And then We do a lot of at-home date nights. Um, A lot of our favorite one is probably we each go to the grocery store separately and we bring back like some appetizers or dessert and then we make them all after the kids go to bed. And that's one of our favorite That is fun. It's always a surprise. (laughs) Is it always, is it cheese? Are you bringing home cheese? I am always bringing home cheese. Yes. (laughs) But I, but now he has a much stronger palate for cheese. He, he's very knowledgeable. That's good. <laughs> yes. That's good. There's always cheese. Yes. <laughs> That's a requirement. Those, those are some good and very practical suggestions. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, I do. We do that too. We are always uh, sending articles and podcasts back and forth mm-hmm. to one another and, um, you know, talking about that, talking about them later on whenever we both have a chance to listen. And it is yes. great. It's a great way to facilitate discussion. And so, especially because I know like date night rule number one is supposed to be don't talk about the kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I have to say, I mean, sometimes you just need to talk about the kids because yes. you've got, you've got to talk about some things like, okay, what are we going to, especially as I get older mm-hmm. and you're dealing with bigger 
bigger kids bring bigger problems oh, um, yes, that's to true. work through. So <laughs> we need to have like some strategic time to talk about how are we going to handle this and what do you right. what do you think about that? So I think that's val- there's value in discussing the kids, but there's also value in talking about other things because you won't always have that yes. um, responsibility when the kids leave and you know, you want to yes. make sure you still have uh, things in common. <laughs> yeah, we talk about that a lot. Of We often say to each other, you know, we this is the relationship that is going to continue mm-hmm. after they're gone. Mm-hmm. And I want to not wake up after our last one is in college and go, what do we like to do together? You know, yeah. <laughs> like I want to have been doing that all throughout. Yes, yeah, Keep um, feeding, feeding that the whole time. this time. So I think that's... That's good. It's it is good to hear that there is permission to talk about your kids. Because <laughs> yes. it is important, you know. You need to be yeah. on the same page. Otherwise, to them, it and I, I, coming from a high school background, yes, of teaching, yes, bigger kids, mm-hmm. there are bigger they just have bigger consequences sometimes yeah, absolutely. to their problems. They can be more permanent decisions. So my husband's mm-hmm. always like, Okay, when we get to high school, like you're at bat, honey. Like I'm, I am here and I'm supporting you, but you love high schoolers. So you're the, you're the resident expert. I maybe, I mean, it'll be a lot of years between when I taught to when our kids are in high school, but I do yeah. love that age. I oh, do think that's they're good. really, really special people. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's a fun mm-hmm. age if you, if you can have the right perspective. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about, um, media in your household? How do you manage, media exposure for yourself, for your kids? Specifically social media or all media? It, both and, you know. Okay. I think in terms of media, I think we, my husband and I are the same age. So probably I think when we could, when we were teenagers, there were already was social media. So I may mm-hmm. be am one of the guests on the show who I have had social media since I was a teenager and I grew Mm -hmm. up when I don't think we knew the effects of it at the time. It was just something new and exciting. And it was like, well, this is kind of a way to not be socially awkward and connect with your friends. So like you, you should probably have Uh this. And I think growing up in that with it as a teenager, as a college student, as a young professional married I guess I have a different relationship with it in my 30s than I did in my teens and 20s. When it comes to social media, I think one of the biggest challenges is that because of the algorithms, you are often fed content from people that are in your same life stage or have your same interests or your same opinions on things. And I feel like there's a lot of wisdom in surrounding yourself with people who are older than you or people who have a different life perspective. And um, so for my own kids, I think it will be very challenging to convince me that mm-hmm. that's something they should have when they're teenagers. Um, I think in my own life, because that is my hope for them to to have that as delayed as possible. Yeah. Um, I try to not be on it in front of them. I know that I I do not like to have the apps on my phone. There are mm-hmm. times where if I feel like I've been on it a lot or sometimes it can be an escape, you know, like, yeah, oh, let sure. me look at all these beautiful, happy things. Well, I'm like, do not want to go 
sweep yes. the floor. Yes. Well, this sounds much more enticing and enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. So I sometimes will even set it as a restricted website on my phone, where mm. even if I were to try to go there, I can't open it. So okay. it's really something that I just have on my computer on my mm-hmm. laptop and I don't access my computer every day. So that helps me set limits in terms of just media. My husband is a graphic designer. So computers oh. and inter- he's a web designer, actually more than uh-huh. anything, that's probably his specialty. And he designs his whole job is designing digital products as well. So we, we are very accustomed with how the internet and media are a huge tool and can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. But I think we have the discussion a lot as a couple about what are we giving our children when we let them watch a show? They do watch a show maybe like once one 30 minute show or one 20 minute show, but that we want to teach them that you need to have limits on some of those things and that mm-hmm. tools are good and bad. So you need to know the purpose of, of using them. So that's a frequent discussion that mm-hmm. we have between our ourselves. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out when they're mm-hmm. older. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has to be a balance, but maybe we're a little more restrictive than some parents on, on media. Especially I think, I think media. you're not unusual for your generation I, because yeah. you grew up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you you've sort of been you were sort of the guinea pig generation um, mm-hmm. actually, and I just yeah. I think you guys are way more cautious about that mm-hmm. when it comes to your own kids. Yeah, and I don't I don't share a lot about them either. Mm-hmm. On like if I share something about them, it's kind of rare mm-hmm. uh, because I I feel like it's also their story, sure. and I don't want them to be. T- 10 or 15 or go mom like you posted that embarrassing thing about when I was potty training and like right (laughs) like maybe that was helpful for you to vent but I try to be really careful of like Mm -hmm. if I'm going to share something about them I want it to be something that hopefully like wasn't embarrassing wasn't super personal or um that when they look back on it later doesn't cause conflict in our relationship that's so, so I try to keep wise. that in mind. <laughs> that is very wise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't think good... you can't post about them, but I am very careful about mm-hmm. what I I post. Yeah, cuz things on the internet live forever. Yes. So mm-hmm. we, and there will they will see that possibly yeah. one day. So yeah, yeah, for sure. That's good to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to jump ahead a little bit because I want to make sure we yes. get to hospitality. So yes. let's talk about that because I know this is a passion of yours, as you mentioned yes. in the beginning. I, I want to hear about, <laughs> yes, I want to hear about your, how do you show hospitality in your homemaking? Well, I, I'm very similar to my grandmothers. I mm-hmm. just love having people in my home. And I think one of the things that I had to get over very quickly is that in different seasons of life, special might not mean that my house is perfectly clean before I have you over mm-hmm. or that I bought something expensive to put on the table. Special is more how you feel when you yeah. enter the home and you get to be with people that you love. And so there are many times that I have someone over and right before they walked in the door, like 
something got spilled all over the floor and they're walking into, <laughs> into chaos. But I never want to let um, something that happens in everybody's house stop me from opening the door and having yeah. relationship with people. Everybody has messes in their house. Everyone has times where it isn't perfectly put together and everyone has seasons where there's more that you can give and there's less that you can give. So mm. um, I think when we were first married, I thought that hospitality had to look like, okay, I, I make like three appetizers and I have all these things. And my husband's like, honey, we, we I love you. And this is so great, but we can't afford this. Like, yeah. And I had to go, Oh, and I remember the first time I put like one thing on the table and friends came in and, no one cared. Like yeah. they were happy to be together and mm-hmm. they ate whatever it was. And there probably was some left over and it was fine. And it was, mm-hmm. so I think I really try to be creative and resourceful. Like my mom taught me. Yeah. Um, like when my, my kids friends come over, I try to pay attention to what they liked to play with the last time they were there. So I'll have that all set up when they first come in. So one of his friends loves trains. So every time he comes in, in the morning, I will have built a special train track for him. And it's something I already have, but it's just, it's special. I know he's going to feel comfortable coming in and having something he can play with right away. Or I always buy my mother-in-law's favorite coffee creamer when she comes Mm -hmm. to stay with me. Or, um, I know that sometimes a value, uh, for certain guests is like when the floor is vacuumed. So it's like, I'm going to vacuum right before they come the guest room. So even (laughs) though I did it two days ago, like Uh the lines are fresh and they get to feel special. So sometimes it's just little things like that. Um, I love, I love having people over and because we don't live by family, we have quite a lot of house guests. So Mm -hmm. there are a lot of times that people are from our family are visiting us from out of town almost once a month a cousin or an aunt and uncle, or it's not even our parents, like our siblings. Mm -hmm. We almost always have an out of town guest once a month. So I'm constantly turning the house over Mm -hmm. (laughs) for that. That is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a A lot. A lot of washing sheets and towels and. Yes. I have a lot of extra sets of sheets and towels so that if I don't get to all of them, I'm Yay. not, I'm not behind, you know, Yay. to find those things. I have a lot of extras. That's so, uh, that makes me yes. happy to hear that. And my Do mother Do yourself a favor, get yes. some extras. <laughs> and my, my mom and my mother-in-law are so sweet. Whenever they stay, just as like a little, they know we have a lot of people stay with us. They always do all of the bedding before they leave and like remake the bed. And I just think it's so nice of them. Like every time I don't ask them to do it, I never did. They don't know each other does it, but both Mm -hmm. of them, whenever they stay at my house, like I always hear my washing machine go. And then they'll be like, as they leave, they always say, okay, the bed's all made for you for your next guest. You know, you don't have to do the sheets. So that's awesome. I know it's, it's really a special unexpected thing when they stay. It's so nice. That is really sweet of them to Mm -hmm. do that. I, I appreciate it when they make the bed, um, before they leave just because I may not get to it. And our guest room is right when you walk in that you can see it. And it's on the way to the guest bathroom. So if anybody is yes. visiting for the day or for dinner, you can see right into that guest bedroom. And if 
I might not get to change those sheets right away. So right, <laughs> when they exactly. make the bed before they leave, that's super helpful. It's so helpful. And but to have I them back to back guests. So it's very Yeah, helpful. to have them change the sheets and, and put the new ones on. That's it's just awesome. It's so nice. And then with my children, it's very important to me that there's a balance between, you know, having a lot of people over. I'm an extrovert. I like to have people over, but also giving them space. This is their home too. Yes. And they need time that the calendar doesn't have anyone coming for the weekend and time that it's just us. And so one of the things that I started doing with my son is we have a almost daily like tea time together Mm -hmm. and we have tea and fancy cups. He's the best little three-year-old at holding fancy cups. We get out the pitcher and the teapot, all the things Mm -hmm. and we have tea or hot chocolate and we read books and we talk and it's usually while his sister's in a nap. And I think that also just gives me a chance to know his heart, how he's feeling, what he's thinking as best as he can express it mm-hmm. um, and just show him hospitality. And if we haven't done it, he'll be like, mommy, when are, when are we having tea time? Like when's, when's tea time? And a neighbor came over the other day and he said, they're like, oh, I, here's some cookies. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. That, that's for tea time. We have to wait. We haven't had tea time today. That's when we have cookies. <laughs> so, <laughs> no fun. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a really mm-hmm. great way to connect with with your son. Yes. Um, okay. You have given us some really great ideas on hospitality there. So, thank you for that. <laughs> yes. I want to hear about your biggest homemaking fail. Oh, it was this year. It was so bad, Allison. I had just had our daughter. And I had a C-section with my daughter. So I had help for a long time just because I couldn't lift them. So all our parents had left. And I was just getting back on my feet to all my own responsibilities. And I thought, I'm going to make a roast for dinner. Like I'm going to make a pot roast. I'm going to put it in the crock pot overnight. Mm -hmm. And I took the roast out of the fridge and it just hadn't fully thawed to go in the the crock pot. And I thought, okay, I'm going to just start it on the stove and a little bit of broth, just start cooking it. I fell asleep. I fell asleep and I woke up in the middle of the night to just hazy, smoky kitchen. Everything smelled like burnt roast. It was so bad. It woke my husband up upstairs and he came downstairs and was like, where's the fire? Oh, <laughs> you no. know? And I just was so, I've never done that. I've never burnt something to the point that it is literally, you had to throw the pan away. Like there was no salvaging oh. any of it. Thankfully the house didn't burn down, but that was probably my oh biggest my ever fail. <laughs> just okay. Try. Well, just listen to make you feel a little bit better. I li- the, I did another interview earlier this morning yes. And um, so you'll hear this. This is yes. Michelle's. Michelle uh-huh. Michelle is laughing right now when yes. she's listening to this because she just told me a story about how she was browning some ground beef and she had read something recently that the ground beef does better if you let it sit while, and like kind of just 
don't bother it. I guess so it develops a crust, you know? Yeah. And then stir and and brown it. So she was like, okay, I'm going to let it sit. Well, she walked away from the stove and somebody pulled up to the house. They they raised horses. And so she needed to go see what the customer needed. And she walked outside and went down to the barn Mm -hmm. and totally forgot about it. Left the ground beef sitting on the stove browning. And when she finally came back an hour later, her husband had just pulled up and there's smoke coming out of the eaves of the house. And and the I paint, like it was on Michelle. fire. Like yeah. the beef was on fire. Yeah. Thankfully we didn't get to that point, but like it was very close. It yeah. was almost there. So yes, I understand. Okay. So once again, <laughs> as I said on Michelle's episode, the lesson here is when you're browning or sauteing something, Just do not walk away from the stove. Do not walk away. <laughs> Stay right there. And don't do it when you're tired and just had a baby either. Exactly. Not exactly. A good idea. Okay. How about a homemaking win? Let's let's redeem your uh, story here. Okay. Um, I actually have to think about this one because so I might need a minute what I had put down. Oh, yeah. okay. I remember now. We have just reached the point where we all eat the same dinner. And my daughter just started eating completely solid foods and graduating from formula and That is like the biggest win when it's like, okay, we're all at the table at the Mm -hmm. same time eating the same (laughs) the same thing. Thing. That that is that is amazing. That's a big win. (laughs) It's a big win. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, tell me a homemaking product or resource that you're loving right now. The pancake batter dispenser. Ooh, I don't have one of those. You like it? Oh, I love it. It is, you know, just a little dispenser. You can Mm -hmm. get it on Amazon and you fill it with your batter and then you squeeze it and it makes perfect circles and it stops the batter, right? Like as soon as you squeeze, it stops it. So you don't get all the drippy Mm -hmm. pancake Mm -hmm. batter everywhere. And I I even tried it with cupcakes and it worked just to get like, I think if your batter was too fluffy, you know, it probably yeah. wouldn't seep through as quickly. But if you were impatient and didn't have the fluffy mm-hmm. uh, cupcake batter, it probably would work for that too. Does it? Is it easy to clean? So a dishwasher. Oh, you just bonus, and it That's has great. two parts. You just take the lid off, put it in the dishwasher. Done. Love it's amazing. it. Amazing. Okay, that's a good one. All right, how mm-hmm. about your favorite homemaking hack or tip? I really like doing a toy rotation with my kids toys. So I do not have all of their toys out in the house at the same time. And it is so helpful because they know where things go. And then about every month I change the toys out. So I keep toys in the basement that I then bring up or about every month. So some of them are seasonal, like maybe there's like ones that are more Christmas related or, mm-hmm. um, so I always try to have a puzzle or I always want to try to have something musical or, you know, something open-ended like magnet tiles, but I might not have magnet tiles and Legos out on the same floor right. or at right. the same time. So it's less to clean and it yes. keeps it fresh for them. That is a great tip. I love that. Mm-hmm. And they have not figured out yet that there are extra toys in the basement that... uh... They do know that. My son figured that out and he calls it shopping. He'll say, mommy, can we go shopping in the basement (laughs) for another toy? And I'm not like a stickler on it. Like if he's like, I really miss that dump truck, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. always realize they had such a strong connection to this one object that... So it's fine, but I do... 
try to keep it under control. And then in the basement, we keep some of the toys out down there. So it's just another space that we can play. But mm-hmm. one of the ways they don't see all the toys is I have a shelf with just some tote bins. And they I can't see what's in and there. And they can't see what's yeah. in there. So okay. that helps. There's some out down there, but not mm-hmm. all. They're not all visible. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good tip. That's all right. Helpful. Tell me what is your signature dish? I had to ask my family for this. And my sister-in-law was like, I think it's your buttercream frosting. Oh. And it is an adapted recipe. It wasn't originally mine, but I, I tweaked mm-hmm. it a little bit. But I started making that for her. It was for her baby shower. And it just became like the favorite family frosting to the point that like if someone makes cupcakes, it is like, is this Brianna's frosting? <laughs> if it's not, like I'm I'm going to eat more dinner because I want to save room for like, if it's Brianna's, I'm going to eat two cupcakes. So now that is the frosting that is made for like any family celebration if I'm in town or what I do for all my kids' cakes. And it's really easy. It's such an uh-huh. easy thing. Is it like together. a standard, a standard American buttercream? Yeah. It's just, just a, it's just a vanilla buttercream, but I yeah. think that what maybe makes it special is that I put in a little bit of extra vanilla and I use salted butter so that it mm-hmm. like cuts a little bit of the it's not powdered so sweet. sugar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's sweet, but there's definitely the little salt that cuts. Through, I like so that. I like that's, that. That's probably the most requested okay. thing. Good. Family gatherings. Good. Well, maybe you can share that with us. Sure. Uh, if, yeah. Even though it's a tweaked recipe, it's always good yeah. to have like amounts so we can yes. make sure we're yes. getting it right. That's and I great. do, I have figured out the exact way that I make it every time. So, oh, good. Because yes. I don't have it. I, so many of my recipes, I'm like, my kids ask, yes. I'm like, I, I don't know. Come over and watch me make it and take notes yeah. because I have I, no idea. I had to write it down because it, you know, when I tweaked it, yeah. I, I've tried, I've made it many, many, many times and it's like exactly the right ratio now. So awesome. I can give that to you. <laughs> okay, great. Let's talk about the art of home. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to know how you see homemaking as an art and where are you finding beauty in your homemaking? Well, I think being married to an artist, my husband mm-hmm. also dabbles in fine art. He's quite a good painter and photographer. And so we spent a lot of time in art museums. That was something we both enjoyed before we were married. But I think mm-hmm. when you walk into a museum, if you've been in enough of them or you've studied art, it becomes very apparent when you are in front of a masterpiece yeah. and when you know, you know, this is a Monet or this is a Picasso, like it's very specific styles. And I think that when you walk into someone's home, it's a very similar thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, when I walk into my mom's house, it is her house. And I couldn't always put into words why I would know that room my mom designed versus this one her friend designed or that dinner was something that was so special because this person made it and this is how they always have dinner at their home and what I feel when I leave. And so I think that it's so personal and it's so informed by your struggles and your limitations and also Mm -hmm. your gifts and your talents. And it's this beautiful mix of growing. It's always Mm -hmm. something that's growing and progressing. You have kind of your early works as a homemaker that then get better (laughs) with time. Maybe some (laughs) that you would like to throw away. Um, (laughs) But I think 
it's something, it's always growing and it's always getting more beautiful. And I think Mm -hmm. that's hard to see when you're in progress, maybe especially when you're in like that very early homemaking season, unless you just naturally love, like are so good at it right away. But even in my season, like I have to remind myself like, yes, I don't have things on every wall, but that's Mm -hmm. because it's really important to me what hangs on them. And it takes me time to -hmm. pick that out or save for it or, you know, make it. Um, So I think, I think just the ongoing progress for me is maybe the art, the art Mm -hmm. piece. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great, great answer. (laughs) Okay. That's good. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So what's something about homemaking that you're thankful for? I'm thankful that it's a slow build. Mm -hmm. I think that where I used to hate that, where I used to just get so frustrated, like I still haven't found my system for laundry. You know, (laughs) I think now I see the beauty in how we are being formed more and more into the Mm -hmm. image of Christ, into the image of our creator. And he is a creative God and Mm -hmm. the ability to, reflect his image in what we are what we are making with our own hands whether that's you know dinner or whether that's mm-hmm. a hug and creating a deeper relationship with your child or reading a book or i'm thankful that it's something that's always growing and that mm-hmm. there's always room to say that didn't work mm-hmm. i can change it like i'm mm-hmm. not st- okay that did not work like move on, try something different. And there's so many options to choose Mm -hmm. from. So I think that the in progress and the creativity are things I'm very thankful for now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good perspective. Mm -hmm. Let's end our time talking to the other women. You're right in the middle. So we're Mm going to talk to the older ladies and we're going to talk to the younger ladies. Let's talk to the older ladies first what would you like them to know about your experience as a homemaker um, that would help them know how to come alongside you and help you and encourage you? I thought I'd start that question with something some older ladies have done for me sure. that I have found really helpful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have been blessed with the most amazing neighbors. One in front of me who's about 10 years ahead of me and one mm-hmm. to the side who's about 20 years ahead of me. And by God's provision in moving to a state where I knew nobody, he put two Christian women on Mm -hmm. either side of me who have often taken time to say, oh, I remember that. I remember that season. I remember what that felt like. And I've looked for really practical ways to just bless me. So one of them will just show up randomly. Like, I made you dinner. Here's a lasagna. You can eat it or you can freeze it. But like, it's done. And there's salad and bread. And I didn't ask for it. I wasn't necessarily having a hard week. But just being seen by someone who remembers so well, you know, just those little years and who took the time to make you dinner. And Mm -hmm. um, my other neighbor knows that I have a lot of company come. And she is a very gifted cleaner. And Mm. she actually owned her own cleaning business. And she just loves to 
come and see my kids and hold them and keep me company sometimes during the day. And she came over on one particular day and I had some people staying and I was really behind. And she said, would it be all right with you if I, if I help you clean your kitchen today? And Mm -hmm. she just took the time to like do all the things I would not have gotten to like wipe down my cabinets and get like all the little grooves in the tile of where (laughs) sauce had splashed. And it just meant so much to me because mm-hmm. she she has been in my home. She's one of those people. Both my neighbors have seen my home, a complete disaster and a beautiful like masterpiece. Mm-hmm. They've seen right. all of it. They live right next to me. And they just humbly enter into my season, mm. not from a place of judgment or, wow, Brian, I can't believe like you've had pasta sauce on your cabinet for five weeks. Like it was very much <laughs> from a place of like, I know some people are coming to visit you and that if you had the time, you would hit that pasta sauce. So like Mm -hmm. I do have the time and I'm going to meet that for you. So I think those are just some practical things people in my life that are older than me have done. And I think on a, on a deeper level, I think that women in my generation are inundated with so much information about every choice we could make in a day. There are just so many tips and so many ideas. And what I just find so helpful is when older women will, when I may be spinning and, oh, should I send them to this school or should I do this at home? Or when they stop me and have said, and I've had multiple older women do this, family members, friends, and say like, you know, I remember when I was making that decision and -hmm. it was really hard and this is how God met me in the process. Mm -hmm. And they didn't necessarily prescribe what I should do. Like they didn't Mm -hmm. add five more ideas to my already swirling menagerie, but they said like, God's going to be there and he's going to meet you in that season. And this is how he met me. And if you want to talk about practically what that looked like, I'm here for you, but know that I'm praying for you. I just find those conversations to be just ones I replay over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's great. How about the younger women? What would you say to them? Maybe some advice, some encouragement, a warning? How would you, what would I you say? Think, I think that in all the seasons of life that, are ahead of you, you probably have some expectations of what they're going to be like. Just like when I shared my story of, I thought I would hold my son after he was born for an hour and he was gone. Um, And I think what I find very valuable is maybe writing those down and going, you know, when I, when I get married or when I have my own house or when I, you know, have a child, this is what I think it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. And looking at that list and going, maybe, maybe that will happen. And it would be awesome if it does. I hope that, hope that some of those dreams happen for you, but asking God to help you be okay. If they don't, um, Mm -hmm. to help you to see that maybe he's doing a different work in you, that maybe he has a different plan than you had. And, to realize that life is much more fluid than fixed. Um, It's going to change. It's going to, you're going to ride 
mountaintops and you're going to hit deep valleys. And if you haven't had that yet, they are coming. But mm-hmm. just like my counselor said, he, he will be merciful and he will be with you. So maybe checking those expectations before the season is upon you, I think would have made some of those a lot easier transitions <laughs> for mm-hmm. me. Yes. Life is a lot more fluid than fixed. I like Mm -hmm. that so much. That is very true. Very true. Well, (laughs) Brianna, thank you so much for being here and sharing (laughs) your story. Yes. It was such a joy to get to spend some time with you and hear your story of home. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. Oh, I'm, I hope it is helpful and a blessing to some other people and makes it a little bit easier for them along the way. I'm sure it will be. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this In the Trenches Homemaker Portrait of Brianna Wakefield. I hope it's been inspiring and encouraging for you today. And I hope you found something, some little nugget or idea that you can take right now and apply in your practice of the art of home. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, Homemaker Happy Mail, if you are not already signed up, because that's where you're going to get the um, top takeaways from today's conversation with Brianna, including her recipe for her famous buttercream frosting and the resources and tips and ideas that she shared with us. That's also how you get your hands on the newsletters that go along with our holiday homemaking Um, episodes that are going to be coming up later at the end of this month. So if you want to subscribe to this free newsletter, just go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. If you have found value in today's episode, you can say thanks in a couple of different ways. First of all, please share this episode with someone that you know who could use this kind of encouraging content. Maybe it's your sister, maybe it's your next door neighbor, maybe it's your mom, anybody who you think would um, value Brianna's story and value the kinds of content that we are creating here on The Art of Home, would you just send this along their way and help us grow organically? That is just the most important thing you can do. So thank you. Secondly, you can leave us a rating and a review on your podcast listening app. We love five-star ratings and we love reviews that um, talk about what is it that you love about the art of home. It's encouraging to me personally, but it also is really helpful when people are searching on their podcast app for homemaking podcasts and they come across a list of different ones. And I don't know about you, but I tend to scroll down and read the reviews so I can decide if a podcast is something I might want to invest in or not. So it's helpful for those who are searching and it does encourage me to see um, your reviews for the show. So thank you for that. And then finally, if you would like, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, buy me a coffee. Tips are given in $5 increments and you can give one, two, three, four, five, ten, as many as you would like or as few as you would like. I appreciate all of it. And any of our tips that we receive go straight towards offsetting the cost of production for this podcast and all of the resources that we have available for free to listeners. So thank you very much for your support in any and all fashion. You can leave us a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash the art of home. You can also go to our support page on the website and it'll tell you in detail all of the different ways that you can support the show by sharing or by reviewing or by giving. Go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash support. Well, that is all for this week's episode. I'm going to be back next week. I know this is episode six and 
You might be thinking, oh, wait, we only ever do six episodes in a season. But if you hadn't been uh, tuned in for a while, I'm calling this uh, season 16 plus because you're getting eight episodes this season. So I'll be back next week with episode seven. It's another homemaker portrait of a listener just like you. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home. Good. Okay, great. All right. So first of all, I would love to know how you, and I apologize if you wrote this on your um, application. I had to go through a lot of applications. So how did you (laughs) find the podcast? Well, I had just moved to Ohio about two years ago. And we had moved from where I'd grown up in Minnesota and I was staying at home with my son and I just was lonely. I didn't have a lot of friends yet and I was just looking for ways that I could feel just encouraged in what I was doing. I had transitioned from a lot of years of working as a full-time teacher to now having a baby and being at home. And so I, I literally searched homemaking podcasts and (laughs) that and yours came up and I don't remember if it was like in a recommended list I think it just came up on Apple podcasts and I started listening I think right at the beginning because Uh I I think there were only a few homemaker portraits and I kept telling people I kept saying there's just all these dear older Texas women that are just pouring out (laughs) wisdom to me and encouraging me. And I have not stopped listening. And it has just been such an encouragement in this season of making this my full-time job. (laughs) Oh, I love hearing that. Thank you for sharing that. I recommend it to everybody (laughs) that is transitioning or even my mom the other day, I was like, mom, you have to listen to this podcast. There are all these older women that are going through their kids leaving home or uh, another child getting married. And I'm like, there's so much wisdom. You got to listen, mom. So um, getting some, some older listeners for you too. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um. Yeah, and have fun. Thanks. I thank you so much for inviting me to have this opportunity. I when I saw the application come out, I thought, I don't should I apply for that? And I thought, you know, I just really uh, my daughter is 1 and my uh-huh. son is 3, and I just thought, oh, they could have like this snapshot of me at 30. I, I you know, know, and it's I like know. it makes me cry cuz like I that's know. just so valuable. Yes. Um, I have some of my mother-in-law's writings from when she was the same age as me. Mm. And I like treasure them. I read them every year. So that's a big reason why I did that. I love it. I love that you recognize (laughs) that because that's, that was something that I thought about Mm -hmm. early on because my, so my sister-in-law, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but Mm -hmm. my sister-in-law, this is many years ago. She had the, the foresight to go to um, her grandmother, um, my husband's and hers yeah. grandmother, and just she took a tape recorder and she sat down with her and she said, "Okay, Mama, tell me your story." Wow! And she recorded her on like one of those little ones that you would, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. You're maybe yeah. too young for that, but anyway. Then she brought it home and she transcribed it and typed it up exactly the way that she spoke it, which was very deep South, you know. So it was. Yep 
kind of, she tried mm-hmm. to get her accent in there and it was, yeah. and then gave all of us copies. Oh, and I so was like, special. <laughs> that, and I treasure that. And so, mm-hmm. um, that was a big inspiration for me wanting to do this show. So yeah. I thought even if nobody else really listens, if it doesn't, you know, blow up or grow or anything, I, I just feel like it's so valuable for you Mm-hmm. to have that to give to your children and your grandchildren. Yeah. Yes. And your so great-grandchildren. Thank you. thank you for inviting me to do that because that you're is welcome. a, a you're huge welcome. gift that you're giving my family, hopefully. It is hopefully. my pleasure. Okay. Okay. Am I saying your name right? Is it Brianna or Brianna or? Brianna. 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 Mm-hmm. Brianna. Yes. Okay. My, my dad's name is Brian. So... His is with an I, so they made mine with an E, so that it would be different from his, and they made it with the E, Anna, so that it would be just separate (laughs) from his I like that. But our names mean the same thing. Do they? What what does it mean? It means strong, and each of our first names, I have three siblings, uh, three younger brothers, all our first names are a promise or a prayer our parents had for what our spiritual life would look like. And our middle names are a family name. So my first name is means strong because they prayed that I would be strong in my faith. And it's also the same meaning as my dad, which was really special. Oh, I love up. that. I mm-hmm. love that. That's so yeah. great. I love to hear people's name, name stories. Yes. <laughs> okay. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> So exciting. 